When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Thanks for listening to the Lakers Fast Break Podcast, part of the Hoopheads Podcast Network. Check out all their awesome basketball shows today at hoopheadspod.com. Another episode of the Lakers Fast Break podcast. It's Gerald Glassford coming right back at you here from Lakers Fast Break, Pop Culture Cosmos, Inside Sports Fantasy Football, and of course, Game Source. We truly appreciate everyone out there listening to all of our shows. And if you can, please give us a five star review on Apple Podcasts. Plus, if you can like, share, subscribe, follow, or do anything that you can to support us right here at the Lakers Fast Break, Lakerholics.com. The great site, medium.com slash basketball dash university. And of course, the Hoop Heads Podcast Network. It is sincerely appreciated. Well, game three of the NBA Finals is done and in the books and in a critical must-have game because no team has ever come back in the NBA playoffs down three games. So it was the most important game in Milwaukee franchise's history in many, many years. Many, many decades, actually. The Milwaukee Bucks did pull it off with strong performances to close out both the second and third quarter. Giannis Antetokounmpo, another fine performance, very dominant once again. 41 points, 13 rebounds, 6 assists, but it's the help that came along with it this time around. A big difference from this time in Phoenix, both with Chris Middleton chipping in with 18. Not quite the performance you want to see from him, but Drew Holiday decided to come back and join the finals with 21 points and nine assists, plus strong performances from Bobby Portis coming up with a lot of hustle coming off the bench, and the Milwaukee Bucks with also some good defense provided as well on Phoenix, limiting Devin Booker to three of 14, 10 points only, Chris Paul, eh, 19 points, an okay game for him, but they needed more than that, DeAndre Ayton, 18 points, but he got into some serious foul trouble. And Mikhail Bridges, a terrible performance after 27 points on just a few days ago in Game 2. Only got four points in Game 3. Very disappointing indeed, but the Milwaukee Bucks defeated the Phoenix Suns 120-100. to And here today to talk about the game itself are two great guests again this time around. Once again, we have the mastermind of Lakerholics.com. Please be part of the conversation today at Lakerholics.com. It is, well, I know him as Tom Wong, but you know him as Laker Tom. And Laker Tom, great to have you back, my friend. Just, uh, I know you wanted the Phoenix Suns to win. Unfortunately, they just pulled up an egg, something we saw, lack of composure in the both the second and third quarters. 
something we saw a couple times during the Lakers series where they just lost their composure, they lost coordination, the crisp passing that we actually even saw a couple times during the first quarter when they had a lead just fell apart from there. Well, they went through these streaks where they couldn't hit a basket for the life of them. And Giannis was relentless. You know, he, he was attacking. I'm just amazed that they don't, that, that they don't see a future with Giannis as a center because he has a load to handle. I mean, he put eight. Certainly looks better at that position. Uh, It it sure seems that way. I mean, but I'm sure Bucks fans, I'm sure there's an element of Bucks fans that go through the same trauma that Laker fans do who want Anthony Davis to play center. Um, You know, how can you, how can you have your best player playing his best position and not treat that as your most powerful weapon? But um, give the Bucks credit. You know, fans have to remember that we haven't seen anything except teams whole court so far. The home team has won all of these games. Um, and despite the numbers, I think only four out of 122 teams or 122 teams have, have survived a 2-0 start to the finals. So, you know, it's, it's still just holding home court. They're doing exactly what the Phoenix Suns did the first two games, which is win at home. Booker had an off game, you know. It's a lot easier to shoot in Phoenix than it is in Milwaukee. Um, it's a lot easier to shoot when you're ahead two to nothing and you're playing really well. Um, and the Bucks knew that they basically had this was a do or die game. This was an elimination game almost for them, even though they're not eliminated if they lose it. But if they go down three zero, they're just not coming back. So they they came into this game with the proper mindset to be aggressive, to attack all the time, and and they played real well. It's just one of those games, and uh, the big game will be the, the game on Wednesday night because the Suns can win that game and 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 really steal, uh, solidify their home court advantage by going up 3-1 on the Bucks. The Bucks can, and by the same token, can tie the game and send it into a three-game series. Um, so it'll be fun to see. You know, I as a Laker fan, I have sort of mixed feelings. I wanted the Suns to win, and I would have been happy to see them win. Um, I think the better the Suns do, the better the Lakers look. And they're a West team. You know, they're a team that comes from the same division as the Lakers. So I'm always rooting with the one exception of the Clippers. I always will stick with the team that's in my division and so forth. Good win by the Bucks. Great game by Giannis. Man, he is a load. Talk about the bionic man. I mean, that I, I still marvel at the fact that this guy is out there playing the way he is playing. 40 points in the last two games. And nine, ten games ago, he suffered what I thought was one of the worst hyperextended knees that I've ever seen. I mean, that that knee was at least three or four inches twisted the wrong way, you know, bent bent out the wrong way that it should have should have been. And it's just amazing that that his tendons were strong enough to to not end up with a serious injury. But congratulations to the Bucks, and at least we still got two games to go, maybe three. I'm not even sure if I'm going to root for any team outside of the Lakers after that report I saw on all on how much taxes they're saving on the tax rate, like Steve Ballmer and all the other tax owner, <laughs> owners are. That's kind of makes me angry that I'm paying more in a tax rate than they are. Yeah, you know, you buy a club and you can depreciate the players and your TV contract. Yep. I mean, how nice is that? That's pretty nice. 
And LeBron James has like 15 more percent on what he makes. Now, mind you, he still gets a nice cut and will get a nicer cut to come this weekend when Space Jam appears, which I will have a review for either late this week or early next week on this show. So stay tuned for that or the Pop Culture Cosmos, either which one I'll have for both. But also today here to talk about the NBA Finals and a place where you've seen a lot of Space Jam's commercials, which has actually been to me more interesting than the <laughs> NBA Finals. He's a good man indeed. You got to check out what he's doing at medium.com. Also, as well, you got to check out when he's there, basketball university on medium.com. It's a great place to go. Extensive articles, very in depth. I highly recommend it. I actually ch- checked out another one the other day. It is Spencer Young. My compliments to you, sir, on your fine work at Basketball-University. Do you find it more interesting than what you're seeing at the NBA Finals? I mean, I guess it depends on the topic. You know, it's easy to get invested in in any part of basketball for me, I think. You know, if I, if I just thought hard about, like, Giannis's journey, think about him coming from Greece to the U.S., I'm sure I could get myself totally locked into the NBA Finals. So. What was he, the 13th pick, considered a reach at that time in the draft? There were several players ahead of him that have actually fizzled out in the NBA. So, yes, kudos to him. But the thing I want to ask you is about Sean Atentacumpo. Uh, Atentacumpo scored 41 points today and was very dominant at times. And yet he scored 42 points in game two and was also very dominant at times. So I want to ask you this. There's a correlation of him on the floor being a plus and a plus minus, which Laker Tom and also myself point to all the time as far as the box score. How were they impacting the actual overall score out there on the court? Did the same thing again, just a truly outstanding performance. But this time around at home, Milwaukee gave him a lot better support. Yeah, actually, if you look back at the regular season, um, the Suns can't stop Giannis Antetokounmpo. I think he averaged 40 or 41 points per game against them. Something like that, yeah. Yeah. So, and I mean, DeAndre Aiden's the only person who's strong enough to stay in front of him, and he got into foul trouble today. And you, it's pretty easy to get switched. So, yeah, I think the series is all about Drew Holiday. It's all about Chris Middleton. It's all about their pick and roll defense because Giannis is their is their constant, right? He's he's the one person who's gonna score a bunch of points, get grab a bunch of rebounds and get assists to three point shooters. It's so funny because Jay Crowder on two occasions now on a major spotlight, both today and in game two of the first round of the Western Conference playoffs with LeBron James seem to make the same reaction as they blew by him, both him and Giannis Antetokounmpo, like that, as they're blowing by him for an easy slam dunk. Oh, in case of, of LeBron, it was a layup. But still, you know, it's just something where, okay, like you said, very, very, very dominant on that end of the floor, and they don't really have an answer for him. But yet they were able to go ahead and provide in Phoenix enough support against the other individuals there in game one and game two in game three you did not see that kind of support i mean mikhail bridges from 27 points to four points devin booker from the 20s he was averaging down to 10 points really just a subpar performance by both of those individuals chris paul was eh 
okay. It did end up with 19 in the box score, but just to me, it seemed like it was very underwhelming as well. Well, I think uh, historically, right, there's a saying that role players play well at home and they don't play well on the road. And you add in the fact that uh, between Cam Johnson, Jay Crowder, and Mikhail Bridges, that those are like a, a revolving door because you some some nights it's like tonight and Jay Crowder goes for 18. Some nights it's like game two where Mikhail Bridges goes for 27. Or some nights it's like game one where Jay Crowder didn't make a shot, right? You they're they're inherently inconsistent and history will tell you that role players don't play very well on the road. But Devin Booker should be a different story. Uh, I'd agree, but I guess I have a little bit of leeway because it is his first playoff run and his first NBA finals. But I mean, you saw this against the Lakers in games three and four. He scored, I think, 17 points in both of those games. So his inexperience has shown at times. But yeah, I think obviously if Phoenix is going to win, they need more than 10 points. Absolutely. So I'm going to close out this part of the conversation with this. I'll hit Laker Tom up first. Laker Tom, you're going to see, like we said, on Wednesday, they have a couple extra days off, which the finals usually gives you. With that, there's going to be a major game four, like you said, and you already described it to everybody out there as far as the what's going to happen, whether it goes back to Phoenix 2-2 or 3-1. After all is said and done, who do you think is going to end up with that game four victory? I still favor the Suns being able to come out and steal a game on the road. They do have the best record in the league for a road team during the regular season and during the playoffs. I wouldn't bet on Devin Booker going three for 14 again. And I do think part of that is the excellent defense that, that uh, Drew Holiday plays. He's got great hands. I mean, he's you have to appreciate a scorer like Booker and understand that there were a couple of games where Patrick Beverly did a terrific job on him. And there's been a, you know, and the same, there's that same potential for Drew Holiday's first, first team all NBA defense, you know, to, to, to make it difficult for him to score. And part of it is, is just basically having, having those quick hands to knock the ball away, to keep Booker from getting to his spots. And, you know, he, he just wasn't hitting his shots today. And in fact, other than DeAndre Aiden early in the game, who seemed to be hitting everything, even a couple of mid-range jumpers that he took, none of the other Suns seemed to be hitting anything. You know, he went one for five for Chris Paul from deep, one for seven for uh, for uh, Booker, Booker from deep. Um, so other than that six for seven from from uh, Jay, the, the Suns did terrible. They only hit nine threes, you know. Um, I think that I think there was one of those games where they had eight or nine in the first quarter alone, you know. And so when you're not hitting your shots like that, it really affects the game. And 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 momentum in the game very often follows either great plays on defense or alternatively guys hitting their shots on offense. And it's sort of you know it, it's contagious, you know. And and you'll see those streaks. It's it's why the game is such a streaky game because two or three threes in a row can break a game wide open like they did in this game. But I think there's a good chance that the Suns, it's their opportunity. They've, they've risen up in every one of the series that they've had so far, and game four is the big game. You don't want to let that 2-0 lead slip away and, and turn into a 2-2 tie where it's anybody's game. They still do have, you know, home court advantage. I expect the Bucks to come out just as desperate because – 
the odds are pretty slim when you're down 3-1. So, you know, it's, again, not an elimination game per se, but a must-win game for the Phoenix Suns. This is Raphael from NBADraftJunkies.com, and you are listening to the Lakers Fast Break. Hey, hoopheads, we all hate ankle sprains, and they happen way too often. Ankle injuries are the number one sports-related injury. Arise is trying to change that. With the iFast, your athletes get preventative protection and full mobility. Athletes no longer need to wear bulky braces that limit performance and give mediocre protection. Anyone playing sports should be using these products. Keep your athletes in the game. Don't wait for them to get hurt to take action. Visit www.arise.com, spelled A-R-Y-S-E, and use the code HOOPHEADS to get 20% off the future of performance. That's A-R-Y-S-E.com with promo code HOOPHEADS to get 20% off. Spencer, you heard the thoughts of Tom. Game four, who are you looking at and who do you think will come out on top? I'll take the Bucks in game four. I still think you until Drew Holiday um, like went off in the third quarter with a bunch of three-pointers, I still felt like you could have gotten more offensively in the first half. I, I think you still have more room for Chris Middleton to play well. Um, but, I mean, I could, I could be wrong. I guess if the Suns were like a more championship-tested team, uh, I would – probably say they would take game four but obviously i think laker tom did a good job of explaining how desperate the bucks are going to be it's not going to be easy to take game four at all they're gonna the bucks are gonna fight to the death to take that game i think just the vibes i'm getting i think i'm going to go ahead and say milwaukee is going to go ahead and tie up the series at the head backs to phoenix i actually predicted phoenix and six so we'll see what happens if they can take any kind of momentum back to Phoenix or Phoenix comes back on Milwaukee and provides a lot better performance. We'll wait and see, but we will be here to go ahead and wrap up that game. Plus I got a ton of podcasts that I got to go ahead and put out TJ Johnson on the ESPN scandal. Lee Montville award-winning author. Lee Montville is also coming up on the show this week. He's got his book that's coming out on Tuesday, tall men, short shorts, it's a great, great book on the 1969 NBA Finals. So that's going to come out this week as well. I will go ahead. I think I will hold off on my mock draft 3.0 as far as giving an audio version until maybe the weekend or early next week. So we'll see what happens there. If needed, I'll pop it on there. But I have a feeling I got a ton of stuff coming up this week for the Lakers fast break. So look out for that. But guys, before we head on out, because this is the Lakers fast break, Want to go ahead and mention the Lakers. Thank goodness that there's still mention of the Lakers. And in Lakerlanders, always talk about what are they going to do? What can they do? What kind of moves? And that's something that still we get a lot of people listening to us based off of that. So there's still a lot of interest in what the Lakers can and will do. Some of the most interesting two words that have been said over the past 48 hours were by Andre Drummond, and they were Shanghai, China. So I heard that. He might possibly be heading towards the Chinese Basketball League. Did you hear that same thing, Laker Tom? I hadn't actually heard that one. As I just saw that passed around on Twitter. I don't know if it's true or not. I don't know if he actually said that or not. Spencer, was that true or is, was I just imagining things on that? 
I mean, if, if you ask NBA Twitter, it's definitely true. Well, I mean, yeah, NBA Twitter always says if it's if it's on there, it's true. But would we like to see him play in China this next season? I think Laker Tom would I be the first I think that would be a one. great idea, yeah, Andre. Actually, you know what? I think Laker Tom is heading over to the fax machine and drawing up, yeah. you know, one of those contracts right now for the Chinese Basketball League and sending it over to him. So he'll show up across the sea and say, I sure like that better than him taking the MLE and re-signing with the Lakers. In like exactly, exactly. So, yes, yes. So all kidding aside, and like I said, I, we'll find out if that is actually true or not, if Andre Drummond is playing here or overseas. I still have a feeling he can get a nice contract here, but hopefully not yeah. from the Lakers. But I've been told by Laker Tom that we need to go ahead and sit down and make our own suggestions on the five moves if we were sitting there at the top of the food chain in the Lakers front office and Spencer and Laker Tom or myself were running the team what five moves we would make in order to go ahead to see if we can build this roster up a little bit better and I'm going to start with you Spencer so let's start with you okay you're in the big chair my friend you're in the big chair. Jeannie's looking at you. All the Rambuses, all both of them, the nice, happy couple they are, they're looking at you. Hopefully they're not saying too much because, you know, they've interjected quite a bit lately. But there's also the Dodgers owners are looking at you, and everybody else is looking at you, the scouting team, and the whole nine yards. We're all going to blame you or praise you. Yes. And no, no pressure there, Spencer. No pressure at all. So I want to hear your thoughts, my friend, on this. If you were sitting in the big chair, in Rob Palenka's big chair, what five moves would you do? Okay. Um, I'm going to start with a controversial move. I would trade Kyle Kuzma. I would sign and trade Taylor Horn Tucker. Um, I would trade our 2021 first-round pick and a second-round pick for Malcolm Brogdon. Second move, uh, I guess I'll just say who I'd re-sign um, because I think the Vetmans aren't that significant. So I'd, I'd re-sign Caruso, um, you know, like nine to ten million, and then I'd keep Martif Morris, Wes Matthews, and Ben McLemore at the Vetman. Um, okay, my third move would be um, telling Montres Harold to opt into his player option. So he can be the new sixth man for the Sacramento Kings, along with Contavious Caldwell Pope, our 2027 first round pick, and a 2024 second round pick for Harrison Barnes. Uh, I would throw the taxpayer MLE at Alec Burks, and I would sign Trevor Ariza and Dwayne Dedman on veteran minimums. Oh, oh, bonus, I would give Frank Vogel a three year contract extension. Alec Burks, you signed with the MLE, is that correct? Yeah, the taxpayer. And then Dwayne Debman as well, correct? Uh-huh. You're going to split that between them. You're going to split that between them? There you go. Absolutely. Hopefully you can get one good season. I mean, Rafael Barlow has praised the work ethic off the court for Dwayne Debman. So he's worked with him on several occasions, and he knows Dwayne Debman uh, as far as off the court, so he knows what kind of mentality he has. So hopefully – with Dwayne Dedman's career being like one of those great years he has, and then he has not a great year. It's up and down, up and down. Maybe you can catch him on a, on a great year. So that's a, definitely a good idea, good suggestions there. What move do you think he can really stand out? I mean, the move that you're talking about, Alec Burke is somebody that 
really did a great job with the New York Knicks as far as providing a lot of points off the bench. You think you can really get him for that price? Yeah, I mean, okay, so I looked at uh, I looked at that signing from the standpoint of even when he was scoring 16 a game with Golden State, his going price in the trade market was two second rounders. You know, he he, he did well in Philly, actually. I mean, he still shot well. Obviously, his scoring was down, and he still only went for $6 million. He basically repeated that this season, so I, I don't see why he wouldn't go for around the taxpayer MLE. Very good. If you can get him for that price, I, I would agree with you on that because he did provide a big boost for New York at times, especially start off the, the season really well. I had him on one of my fantasy basketball teams, so I was following him very closely until he got hurt. And he was able, he was struggling actually after he got, you know, came back from the injury for a little while. But during the time of, as it was closing out the rest of the season and the playoffs, the little games that they were in, but he still provided them a big boost at times for the New York Knicks. So I, I definitely agree with you on that. Dwayne Dedman, again, up and down on that. Malcolm Brogdon, I think is the key for me. I, I really like that as far as if you can get a hold of his contract and get a get a hold of him as an individual. I really like that because I think he provides that solid play, playmaking ability. He can do a little bit of all, plus he shoots a, one of the best shooters in the league from both the line and the three-point area. He was uh, one of the few 50-40-90s before 50-40-90s really came into vogue, correct? Yeah. yeah, so, I mean, that just tells you right there that what he can bring to the table – so who would you have as an off guard, if I may ask? Uh, okay, at shooting guard right now, Wes Matthews and Alex Burks. Who's starting? Yes. Who's starting? Uh, I mean, I might start Alex Caruso, maybe. I, I think it would be between Caruso and Matthews just for lineup balance. I think I'd want some scoring off the bench. So you're committed on keeping Alex Caruso, is that correct? Yes. You wouldn't consider signing and trading him to see if you can boost up your potential on getting a shooting guard that might fill that role better. I mean, I think, you know, obviously, Ron James, but also, I, you know, I just spent my MLE on a bench shooting guard. He's going to score a lot of points. I, I wouldn't necessarily allocate more resources towards shooting guard than score. Okay, fair enough. I mean, you still got to keep the defense in play, and obviously having that in place is, is still a necessary thing. I think Alec Burks on New York would play, you know, coming from there, and Tom Thibodeau, who was a defensive-minded coach, would, would be a, a very solid choice because he would still have that defensive mindset with their, with them. Dwayne Dedman, again, if you catch him on an on-year, it would be a great pickup at the minimum, so we'll see what happens there. But Laker Tom? All right, you heard. Well, let me let me let me put my comments on on what okay. I thought were some some good choices that uh, I was Spencer trying to made. sneak it in there, Spencer. Sorry, my friend. Go ahead. Yeah. Later. So um, first, I really like the idea of Malcolm Brogdon. As do uh, I. And, and in fact, I'm actually I don't really understand what's going through the minds of the management, the prior management and the current management of of uh, the Pacers that. They, they, they've been shopping Brogdon around. They shopped him around last year. And uh, he was the guy that originally I really wanted the Lakers to pursue because I thought he's a perfect combination of, of a point guard who's 
pretty good defensively. Uh, definitely can shoot the three, can attack the rim. Is a good playmaker. He's got excellent ball security. He's uh, averages three three assists per turnover. Um, so I think that that he's an excellent primary choice for point guard, and I think that's probably our single biggest weakness right now. Um, I like Alex Burks' pick, too, that Spencer's made. I, I think Burks is the kind of guy who has bounced around the league, and, and, and what he reminds me of for the Lakers would be sort of what Jordan Clarkson has emerged as, as for the uh, Utah Jazz. You know, he's a guy you can come off the bed at bench who's instant offense, a Lou Williams type of scorer. Um, I really like him a lot. Um, I would probably have um, definitely Trevor Ariza among my, uh, I think Spencer's cheating here because he's combining these moves for the veteran minimums and putting in several of them there to, that's, you got to sweet move. talk an agent. He's going to have to sweet talk an agent or two. Let's just yeah, put it that right. way. But but so I you know I thought I thought those are good choices. I think that uh, Harrison Barnes is an, is an interesting choice because we do need the problem with trading Kuzma. Obviously, is that you know, he's like our only wing other than LeBron, you know, and so it becomes very difficult. But good good selections, Spencer, and uh, would be an interesting team. My picks. My first move would be to trade. KCP and Harrell to the Charlotte Hornets for Terry Rozier. Rozier has been on the trade block a couple of years with them. He's makes 18 million now, but he's got one year left on his contract. So it's the perfect time when they're, they're going to want to move him because they're heavy in guards. They need front office people or front court people. Um, They have a lot of interest in Harrell. um, And I think that makes good sense. Um, and I'd have Rozier be the starting point guard. He's not really a true point guard. He's sort of a combo guard in that sense, but he, he does distribute the ball pretty well and take care of it. Um, but he's uh, but he's a prolific three-point shooter. You know, he shoots uh, eight threes a game and, and hits them at 39%. So I think that he's exactly what the Lakers need to replace Dennis Schroeder. My second move would be to trade – Follow the same path. I'm looking at trades. I, I just love the fact that you've got this all written down on the list, and that you that sound that people just heard was you turning the page to page two. I don't know how much longer. Maybe this is like a 500 page deal, but yeah, I, I appreciate it. Five page deal. It's just okay. a five page, one page for okay. each. I'm just making. So, sure. so my second move would be to go to Sacramento and trade for Buddy Heald. Um, and I and Kyle Kuzma and McKinney are enough to get Heald. Um, they definitely want to move healed because of the price of his contract and so forth. He's not going to be a starter with them. They've got a young, they've got a young shooting guard that is a superb defender. So healed becomes even more expendable than he was last year. And unlike most of the teams that are struggling with their coaches, uh, we all know that they, they seem to still have some fondness for Luke Walton and Luke was the guy that uh, Kyle Kuzma played the best for. He started for him and averaged 20 points a game. Um, so that's my that's my backcourt. They're both prolific three-point shooters. You're going to add 18 three-point shot shots to replace a couple of guys who take five or six a game. My third move would be I'd use the 5.9 million. I'm like Spencer. I'm not going to hard cap the team. I think that we just have too many needs for that and. As much as I love Kyle Lowry and think that there could be a deal made from him, he's probably the only one that I would hard cap because if you hard cap anybody over 20 million, 
you're going to have to give up Caruso or THT. So I would I would use the MLE, the non the taxpayer MLE, which is like 5.9 million a year, and try to get Nerlens Noel at center. I think the thing about Noel that impresses me is that he's a unlike JaVale McGee and Dwight Howard and all of these traditional low post centers who cannot survive when they're taken when they're forced to to guard people on the out on the perimeter because they just don't have the foot speed. Nerlens can guard one to five. He can easily stay with a guard on the outside, follow him all the way to the rim, block a shot, challenge his shot, and so forth. So he's the player that I would make my third move on and use my MLE for. Um, my fourth move is, you'll notice, Gerald, that I haven't traded the draft pick yet. That's good. Chapter four. And you've convinced me, Chris Duarte definitely is the guy that I would look for. Older guy, 24 years old outstanding three-point shooter and a volume three-point shooter. So he's exactly the kind of guy that he would be, so to speak, I guess the guy like Alec Burks in in Spencer's lineup, the guy that come off the bench and can be instant offense and score. So he would be my, he would be my fourth move. And then my last move would be to resign Marquise Morris. I think he's of all of the, of all of the minimum contract players that we have, he is by far the most important because I think he could uh, – he's the guy that if Anthony Davis is going to play the five, he's the guy that's going to play the four because he stretches the floor. He can defend bigger people. I like what he showed me this year in his development, even though he had sporadic time on the floor. He also showed the ability to get in a little bit closer and make those five to ten-foot fadeaway jump shots that – he's able to get by posting up a smaller player. So those would be the five moves that I would make. Well, there you go, indeed. Well, if you have any suggestions for the moves out there, please, I would love to hear your thoughts and feedback. I know we'll see it at Lakerholics.com. We're signaling the ref for a quick timeout, but we'll be back with more of the Lakers Fast Break Podcast. Check out what's been going on with the Pop Culture Cosmo Show and the PCC Multiverse. My last movie that I saw in the theaters was The Last Skywalker. I know, condolences to me. Wow, man. Right. I I just had talked about that, and I completely forgot that I saw that movie. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) That doesn't speak great things about it, I suppose. That's the Pop Culture Cosmo Show. And the PCC Multiverse. Catch our shows on Worldwide Radio seven days a week and wherever you get your podcasts. I do want to say first off before I go into anything that I'm going to talk about is Andre Drummond did actually say that on a podcast in regards to what else in this day and age in 2021, the creation of an NFT, because we need that oh so much in our society, more NFTs. So, yes, in talking about that, he was talking about if he need be, Shanghai, China would be the place or one of the places he would be considering in regards to that. And that's up to him. If he wants to go stay in the NBA, possibly a minimum contract, possibly maybe a mid-level, we'll see what happens there. First move, I would say, is we do not sign Andre Drummond. Okay, that's the first thing. Second move is Jared Dudley, offer him an assistant coaching job because his playing days are done. The 50th man. No, I probably put it as the fifth, maybe sixth assistant coach 
probably put him somewhere along there. Seventh thing is, in all seriousness, I would actually talk to Rajon Rondo's agent with permission from the Clippers and ask if they would go ahead and allow him to be an assistant coach. So I think Rajon Rondo is a future coach in the making. So that would be my one of my first moves I would make. Plus the fact that I think just having him there with LeBron, again, you struck gold with it once, I might work again. Just to have him there as a force on the sidelines, that would be one of my moves. And then also beefing up the scouting staff. As I said on the last podcast, I think everybody loves Jesse Buss and the hard work he does. I know Jamie Sweet does, but again, I don't see those kind of moves at the back end of the roster. And I know Laker Tom doesn't put a whole lot of stock into it, but the moves some of these teams have made in the past couple of years, especially playoff teams, have added some key contributors to the roster. Cameron Payne, again, Trey Burke, some others that have been able to. Christian PJ Wood. Tucker. Yeah, PJ, well, PJ Tucker, Christian Wood uh, is another story. Again, well, that started out as a 14th, 15th man in the beginning of 2019. So you have situations there where you have good scouting staffs that are able to foresee or possibly see these type of potential. So I would beef up the scouting staff to go ahead and try and be on the lookout for more players in the G League, more players in Europe, more players in China, more players in Australia, wherever to go we ahead. Don't, we don't seem to ever get anybody from Europe. I mean, it's, it's Hello. Like really underrepresented there. Exactly. And it's like, maybe it's a situation where they just don't want to spend the money. But to me, I think that's, that's uh, disappointing because you see yeah. Composo, look what he did. We for don't have a salary that. cap for any of those expense areas. But but still, a player like Campasso, you know, he was offered a chance. He played very well in Italy for years, and he comes over yeah. as a third-year rookie. Mind you, he was small, and on the defensive end, he hurt. But as a guy coming off the bench before Jamal Murray was hurt, he was such a spark plug and could find anyone anywhere on the court. And just those kind of maneuvers seem to be pulled out, like you said, Tom, always by other teams than the Lakers. So it's kind of irritating that it continues to happen And to me, it sounds like, you know, everybody talks about the great drafts that the Lakers always have, which is true. They've had some very solid drafts, and they're very good at that. But the problem is, once they're a professional, do we just stop looking at them? Because it seems like we do. It just seems like we go ahead and just ignore everybody else on the face of the earth after they've gone ahead and turned pro. So we need to go ahead and expand the scouting department on that. That, to me, is something I would go ahead and do a lot more. I think also the fact is we need to bring in more outside people from the outside as far as people with different fresh looks. It always has to be, you know this, Tom, Laker mentality. Let's bring someone that's former Lakers, former Lakers, former Lakers. Sorry, this is 2021. You need to bring a fresh look like a Spencer. Bring a Spencer in there with a fresh mind. You know how he's done so well for this show since he's come on. It brought a spice of life as far as fresh perspective from things. Do that type of thing there, whether it's someone that's young, someone that's just retired, someone that's been experienced, somewhere else, just some type of fresh. And it's not just a, a retread like David Fisdale all the time to the assistant coaching staff. I'm talking about something more substantial. So I'm hopeful that they'll be able to go ahead and get a better line on that. It just it just seems like it's the same old, same old with the Lakers. And, and that, to me, is kind of disappointing. But getting to my players... I'm going to agree with both of you on something. If they can pull off with the right set of maneuvers, 
I would focus in on Malcolm Brogdon and Buddy Heald. If I could get that as my backcourt by the end of the day, you know, as far as whether you want to go ahead and package Kuzma and the pick to one area, and then you go ahead and get a sign and trade with Caruso. I think Caruso would be someone that you're going to sign and trade, and I would have to go ahead and move. For me, I think that's that's a probability right there. And THT, if you could package those four in a certain manner and to go get both of those players, Brogdon and Heald, I think you win out for long term. You get your shooting. You still have good defense in many spots with Malcolm Brogdon. Heald's okay defensively, but you get the kind of shooting that you want, Laker Tom. And I really think if you can supplement that with players like we mentioned before, like Mo Harkless, if you can find somewhere within Mo Harkless, the Mo Harkless that was just playing so well at New York, I don't know what it is about when they go play at New York, but something that they play do, just they play well in New York. If you can find the 40% shooter that plays great defense and you pick him up on a minimum contract, you'd be outstanding there. DeMarcus Cousins as your five. You talked about it before. We love DeMarcus. We love the idea of playing DeMarcus and to give him the starting spot or to give him a major contributor off the bench. If you play AD at the five, that would be the best option for you right there for me, even though if you get Dwayne Dedman, that'd be another thing I'd consider. But then again, which Dwayne Dedman are you going to get? Are you going to get the Dwayne Dedman that choked on his contract once he signed it? Or are you going to get the Dwayne Dedman that really did what he could to earn that contract? So with all these guys, Harkless, the same thing. He signed a big contract and then goes down from there. Burks is someone. If you if you got any extra money, you can. I would say Alec Burks, just to provide a spark off the bench and consistency in scoring, I think that's a great ideal. And then if you're going to retain any of the Lakers from the long term, I would agree with you on Morrison Matthews. I mean, Matt, for just for defensive purposes. And Matthews yeah. can get hot. He's the, he's the kind of guy that can get hot from the three-point area, hit three in a row, and justify his worth, although he is very shaky at this point in time as far as the shooting. But his defense, he gives you the effort there. And Morris, I mean, he helped win us a championship. There's two, two of the best minimum salary guys that you can get. Yeah. It so also gives you some continuity, you know, in that they know they played for Frank now for a year. They know what the situation is. They understand how to play with LeBron and AD. So it makes a lot of sense. And I, I mean, do love you, the, I, I do love, I wouldn't have any hesitation at all. Uh, in fact, I would probably prefer Brogdon over uh, Terry Rozier as a point guard. So much steadier, easily... much, much steadier. I mean, well, Rozier's, I, I think he's Rozier's defend- got the higher I think he's a better defender. You know, that, yeah. I think that's the main thing in my I mind. Know, but, but Rozier is like that high ceiling because he can give you that 30 point yeah. game. That Brogdon may not and be he makes, you know, and, and like Brogdon, he only makes eighteen million. Brogdon only makes twenty-one million. Yeah. So you're getting guys. I mean, even though I went through this whole thing, I end up with a payroll of one hundred fifty-six million, luxury tax of forty-seven million, uh, and you're over two hundred million. Yeah, with a lineup that I chose, you know, I mean, but Brogdon and he, I don't Brogdon's have any. I don't have a problem spending Genie's money. Genie might. Jeannie might feel a little differently, you know. But Jeannie's going to have to realize that at this point in time, that's what you're going to do is what you're going to get. And with LeBron left, you better make sure that you go all in. That's what we talked about. And with Golden State ready to go ahead and bundle their draft picks to get someone really good, because if you don't get someone really good with those draft picks that they can package, plus the number two pick from last year, they can also bundle him in a trade. Mr. James Wiseman. I mean, they can go ahead and bundle all three of those things to get a really good player. 
You've got them serious there. They're going to give it one last shot. You've got Phoenix. So they're going to be in the picture next year. There's no doubt yeah. about that. Utah, it can't. Four teams. Yeah, Utah is not going to have that far of a drop off. I mean, Dallas has talked about doing everything they can to go ahead and try to build around Luca, even though that's still a disaster area right now. But Jason Kidd's walking into something hopefully he could fix for Dallas fans out there. And you've got so many other teams that are going to vie for this because they see it as an open realm. Right now, yeah, they see Phoenix and Milwaukee, but they see it more now. There's no dominant team in the NBA right now. There's so many teams with the right maneuvers has a chance to go ahead and be the front runner. We all talk about You don't Brooklyn. think the Nets are the front runner at this point in time? I think I think they're the slight front runner, but I also think the Lakers with the right moves can move ahead of them. If they got Brogdon and Heald mm-hmm. and put them in the backcourt with LeBron James and AD, and you throw in a number of five, like maybe like a DeMarcus Cousins or whoever, I mean, that's a pretty solid four right there. That I would stand that four against whatever Brooklyn can dish out. Well, it's hard, to, it's, it's hard when you look at Brooklyn because they've got three superstars right now. And if there was a team that, let's say, was even more attractive than the Lakers to play for, to win a ring... It might have been Brooklyn, you know. I mean, they had a lot of guys that basically want to play for Brooklyn. They look at those three superstars that they've got there, and they think that this is this is a sure path to a championship than LeBron James and and uh, Anthony Davis. And and I frankly think that I mean a big part of all of my thinking of how big I went on my five moves is that I think that the landscape of the NBA has changed a lot. I think that we're looking at a changing of the guard in terms of players and in terms of teams. I don't, you know, I I don't expect the two teams that are in the finals this year to be in the finals next year. In fact, I don't even think those two teams will make, uh, they may struggle even to get into the conference championship games. And I think that we're seeing a whole new group of stars now starting to hit that point where they really, start to get the publicity and the press that has always been hung for LeBron and Harden and Chris Paul and so forth. You're going to hear these guys' names. You know, Devin Booker is not going to go away. And so you're going to see, I think, a big change. in if you were to take from two years ago, the top 20 players in the NBA, I think the list that you're going to see next year is going to be a dramatic change from that. And then you have the simple fact that the last two seasons have been COVID colored. So what's it going to look like, you know, with fans in the stands from day one onto the regular schedule where we're going to play an 82 game season. We're going to start it, you know, the normal time when you start it, we're going to end at the normal time. Um, there's going to be, hopefully if, if we're lucky, no more COVID situations where somebody's, you know, can't play. Um, and you know, it, it's going to be one of the most exciting and difficult to predict NBA seasons that I think we've ever seen on the heels of, on the heels of two of the most unprecedented and unpredictable NBA seasons that we've just gone through. Absolutely. So Spencer, you've heard Laker Tom sitting in the big chair and you heard me kicking him out of the big chair and then moving in and you know, this is what I really suggest. <laughs> okay. So you've heard that as far as in the boardroom. And outside of the laughing you probably did in the hallway at it, both of us, what did you think? I mean, any suggestions, anything you tweak or fix? Okay, so I think 
Laker Tom's traits are a little optimistic, <laughs> I think we'd, we'd be giving up a lot of first. Or I don't think we can draft Chris Duarte. Between Rozier and Gio, I think you're trading the pick. If you're trading the 2027. Yeah, I, 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 I am a couple of other guys out there, though. I, I mean, I've been paying more attention since I decided not to trade the pick right away. Well, I've been for paying me, more attention, and there's there's some good opportunities that the Lakers could have. I'm just telling you right now to get Brogdon and healed. I, in my situation, in my scenario, I would not be able to. I wouldn't draft hesitate to throw a pick in if I had it, it would, to. It would go in the trades. It would go yeah, in the trades. I wouldn't hesitate to throw THT in. Yeah, the TH, THT, Caruso, uh, Kuzma, KCP, and the you know the 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 twenty, even the second round pick that we can go ahead and still do. I would th- all that goes, all that goes yeah. in, to get Brogdon healed. Okay, yeah, I like Nerlens Noel. He was like borderline. He was a borderline defensive player of the year finalist. Um, yeah. Oh, yeah, he I could like, be hard to get to. Yeah, yeah, he might go for a full. Yeah, if he's making five mil, he's making five mil now. He'll never get back what he was offered. Yeah, once. but he ain't going to win a championship in New York, and he's never won a championship, and this is but a maybe, chance. But maybe he'll go to Brooklyn, like you said. Okay, I think – okay, for Gerald – okay, I, I like Rajon Rondo as an assistant coach, but at the same time, if the Clippers want to make a trade, his, like, $8 million in salary is a good filler piece, so I think he might have trouble, you know – Oh, I know. He's going to, he's going to stay, he's going to play another year somewhere, but I'm just, it's just something I'd like to leave that door open for him because I think that's his future is becoming a coach. I really think that he's going to be that fiery coach that teams need. He's going to get a lot of player coach arguments. I just hope he doesn't punch out another coach. That's the only thing. No, he might do that with a ref. He might do that with a ref, but but, Yeah, yeah. Well, he does it with players and he's, but he has yeah, such a key. He has such a keen mind. Yeah. I, I, you know, I got to respect that he has such a mind for the game. And you, you see, if he after retires, a period of time where he's going to become yeah. one of the hot coaching prospects out there. Okay. Yeah, he's uh, he's he's definitely one of the smartest guys that play the game today. Yeah, absolutely. Go ahead, Spencer. Uh, okay, I think for your scouting grant, um, I mean, I agree that we could use like more overseas talent, but the one caveat I would say is that Dallas with Trey, Trey Bird, they got like the bubble as a test run. I'd say same with. Yeah. I mean, that's what I meant last year. He last year's Trey Burke was great. This year's Trey Burke was back to what was. Yeah. But I mean, he did. He was so tremendous last year. You have those fines that help you on a one-year basis. Like, I mean, yeah, I, I agree. We shouldn't have signed Dion Waiters and J.R. Smith. Yeah, it became like cheerleaders by the end of the playoff. Okay. And who and who did other teams pick up? I mean, Phoenix during that time they picked up Cameron Payne during that time. You know, and again Trey Burke, who did such a great job initially for them, and then Composo this year. These guys will give you like one year normally, traditionally, a really great value before they go off and sign another contract or you re-sign them at a, a, a great rate and they don't produce the way they want to sit. But you get that one year, the one year that you really could help you win a championship. That's what I'm looking for. Okay. Um, yeah, I'm in full agreement with your point about um, Lakers just bringing in Lakers as staff, I think. You know, I, I follow a lot of teams in the NBA, and that kind of stands out to me. Like, there's so many LA Lakers in the front office. I've never loved that. I've never loved that. Purple and gold. 
<laughs> uh, okay. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. Obviously, I I push for Mel. I would like trade anything for Malcolm Brogdon, basically. Uh, Buddy Heal too, if we had like the leftover assets. I like Mo Harkless. I like the Marcus Cousins. I I obviously pushed for Alec Burks. I guess I was a little surprised we're all in consensus about trading THT, but yeah, I definitely would trade Taylor Hall Tucker for someone. I, I just don't trade see him for Lowry. I just, to be honest with you, I just don't see a superstar potential there. I see maybe like a 17, 18 point game score, but he's got to fix a lot of things, including a shot and his finishing at the rim before I'm really sold on him. And I know he's 20 or 21 now. I know he's that he's still very young, but to me, you're starting to see a little bit bigger picture with him. Now that you've had a bigger taste test of what THT can do for you. So I think right now you either win now or you wait for THT to develop. And you really do you want to really want to wait three or four years for THT to you, LeBron's not on that time frame. And okay, I guess I'll finish off with yeah, I agree with Laker Tom that Wes Matthews and Markeith Morris are bargains at the minimum. Uh, I think Mark Markeith Morris is great next to A D if you want a small ball lineup and now, Wes Matthews is like a year removed from having a pretty good season with Milwaukee where he shot pretty, he shot really well from three and he had a elite defense rating. So yeah. I just think he needs a consistent role and he needs a full off season. Yeah, he can play, he can defend bigger guys than KCP can, even though he's not bigger. He's, he has that ability like Drew Holiday does to, to really trouble a guy who's got some size on him. I just don't think making him the starter is the answer. No, if I don't think a, so either. If you have him coming off the bench for 15 to 20 minutes a game, I think it's that's probably his right. best role at this point in time in his career. I have one idea to throw out to see what you guys think of it. This was this was my alternative path, if you will. My All right, alternative here we go. first move. I'm ready. Um, Hit me with it. Okay. You don't want to sign and trade for a superstar because that's going to hard cap you. You can send our, we can sign and trade our players out, but to bring in a sign and trade player is going to hard cap us. So Chris Paul wins the title with, let's say Chris Paul wins this year in the Sons of the Champs. He's got a $44 million player option. If he were to decline the player option and become a free agent, then the only way you can get him is to bring him in via a sign and trade. But what if he has conversations with LeBron and Carmelo, who's one another guy that I'd probably bring in on a minimum contract. And there's a chance to finish his career playing for the Lakers, playing with his banana boat buddies. Not won't have Dwayne Wade, but they'll at least have Carmelo Anthony and LeBron James and, and Chris Paul, three of the four banana boat guys. If he declined his player option and, and was up there for $44 million for the last year, the Lakers could trade for him with Kuzma and KCP. That could be a straight trade right there. And it takes our two, our only two non-sign-and-trade assets that we really have that, that are worth more than the million nine and if we guaranteed McKinney. That's the only other thing we got to trade. Otherwise, we have to figure out how to do a sign and trade for Schroeder or Harrell or Kuzma or THT. But you would get Chris Paul. 
you would not be hard capped. And uh, that's an interesting thought to think about for starting the year for the Lakers because Chris Paul, last year I said that I would have traded for Chris Paul. And this year I definitely almost felt the same way, although I'd rather have two stars that were younger in the case of, of let's say, uh, uh, Brogdon, Brogdon and Brogdon and Heal, for example, or, or Rozier and Heal. But after watching Chris Paul play in these playoffs, the guy's got some stuff left in the tank, man. He's not, he's not past that. And if you could trade for him knowing that he was going to be a free agent next year, so it's a one-year deal, um, what do you think about that as the team's first move? That appeal to either one of you guys? Did you say he's on a one-year deal? He's got one year left on the four-year, $160 million contract that he signed. He's opting into his contract, right? Yeah, So he, but he has a player option, so if he declines the player option, then he's he's got one year left, and he can be traded for that. He can be traded just as a regular trade. First of all, if LeBron James can sell Chris Paul into that, then he has a future as a, a salesperson on selling anything to anyone at anywhere. Because well, that's you, you, it. It's going to take a major sell job. I know, but if you watched, did you watch Chris Paul in these playoffs? I, I understand that. I'm just telling you on Chris Paul's perspective. I mean, LeBron's mm-hmm. going to tell you, okay, that our team is going to mm-hmm. end up being better, even though we think that they're a better team with LeBron and AD than what Chris well, Paul imagine has them, now. Imagine them with, let's say, let's say they ended up with Kuzma, KCP, and uh, the first round draft pick. Well, I still think that because they've got they've got big salary problems coming not this year but next year because they've got a a, a thirty nine it'll be a almost a thirty five million dollar contract to max out DeAndre. Then you're counting on a whole bunch of ring chasers to come at you with a whole bunch of minimum contracts. That's yeah, all. You're they've also got they also got to resign Cameron Payne. That's probably going to be at least ten fifteen million dollars. They have early bird rights on him. So they're going to go at least to at least to the MLE, and they're at 124 million right now. They're going to be a luxury team, and Robert Carver's never ever Sarver. paid a luxury tax. Robert Sarver. Robert Sarver. Yes. So there's there's reasons for the Suns to want to actually make a deal. Sort of a Kyle Lowry. We're going to send Kyle wherever he wants to go. We're going to send Chris wherever he wants to go. But I think you're right. This whole thing has to start with a conversation, a banana boat conversation between between Chris and LeBron and and Melo when they when they're all down in Florida riding on that banana boat to figure out what they can do. Oh, if that's the case, I mean, again, that means LeBron is a salesman like no other. But Spencer, your thoughts on Laker Tom's proposal right there? Okay, I I think just like knowing Chris Paul, he's going to opt out and he's going to want a three-year deal for 33 million well if he opts out we're not going to do it because we don't want to sign and trade he'll want a three-year hundred i bet you go for a three-year hundred he wants yeah that's the rumored price and he's the um the, the players association president and he's the one who always pushes for you know people like him to get max contracts right that would that be his get so many votes as president huh <laughs> but let me ask you spencer would that be his 40 contract the contract that leads up to 40 because i think there's a limit after that you can only go year by year isn't that correct or something like that something there's something there's a limit to 40 you could sign 
So that would make him 39 at the end of that contract or 40? 30, he's 36 right now. So. so it'll be 39, 40. Okay. So, I mean, if he could get away with a four-year deal. But I think after 40, I think that you you have limitations on how for how long you can sign and agree to contracts. I mean, Vince Carter could probably tell me better than anyone. But yeah. uh, I will say that that's a nice proposal. If you were able to get it, then you would have three stars. But you are dependent now on a lot of ring chasers signing minimums yep. to try and get some type of balance on that roster. And if that, if you can't do that, then you're really got a whole lot of weight behind three individuals. And, you know, with Brooklyn, they still had some depth. So I had some individuals, Joe Harris, I thought was really going to play for them, but he didn't, but still they've got some components there that they had to count on. They had to count on Blake Griffin coming back over they were going to count on LaMarcus. There's a lot of ifs there, too, for even them, which are really hard caps. So, yeah, they can do it. All more power to them. But I have a feeling your Spencer is right that he's going to opt out. He's going to ask for three years, $100 million because he is the big press for the Players Union. And trying to maximize a deal, specifically catering to him or individuals in his bracket with his ability, and there's only two or three, that tells me right there that that's going to happen. So I have a feeling that's what he's going to do. I mean, I, I agree with Spencer. I don't think he's going to stay and finish out the final year of the Phoenix contract, especially now if he just cashes on it, even if he doesn't win, even if he doesn't win, he's already proven his point, I think. So I also there there's a little bit of like a, a basketball fit problem where like, Chris Paul and LeBron at this stage in their career on defense, what they like to do is guard role players and just yell out like schemes and all that. Like if, yeah. if you look at the list of players, Chris Paul guards, he guards like the worst backcourt player. LeBron a lot of times will let, you know, KCP or AD take the best wings for And then you're, you're going to have to go up against like the Clippers and, and that. So at some point you're going to be asking a lot of two 36 year olds to guard the best players in they both like playing that roam yeah. position. Yes. So that would be funny to see. Okay, LeBron, I'm going to roam. No, Chris, I'm going to roam. Okay, we'll both roam. And then you're stuck three, three on five. While two are just trying to hack. Because we've seen points where LeBron just stands there. and lets the- When you compare it to the Nets, and that's really why you're bringing in a third star. When you compare it to the Nets, you've got three guys who basically are two-way players. I would definitely feel that Chris Paul can do a better job on Kyrie Irving than Kyrie Irving can do on Chris Paul. And I think the same thing holds true with LeBron James and Anthony Davis compared to to the other two superstars on the Nets. I mean, that's the advantage the Lakers get. But I think also we've seen, we've seen evidence as to how important a third star is in these playoffs. You know, when you have one superstar and you lose them, you are out. When you have two superstars and you lose one of them, you still have a chance, but not against the best teams. But if you have three superstars and lose one of them, if they're the quality that the like the uh, Brooklyn Nets have, uh, they can survive that and still win a championship. I would have liked to have seen in another universe we traded THT, Schroeder, KCP, and THT, and we got. We got Kyle Lowry. And in that universe, we might still be playing today. Well, they didn't. So we're here. So hopefully some <laughs> of our moves can pay off. 
You know, if you have a suggestion out there on some moves, whether it be one, three, or five that you'd love to go ahead and share with us, please do so at Lakers Fast Break on Twitter, at Laker Tom. Spencer, are you on Twitter? No, I'm not. Smart man. But go ahead, you can just go to medium.com slash basketball-university. He just likes to observe Twitter, probably. That's the case. Where Andre Drummond might be there, you never know. But Laker Tom and I are also on Lakerholics.com. You can go ahead and share your thoughts there in detail and write it out. We'd love to see it, and we'll go ahead and save whether or not it's a good move, whether or not it's something that maybe needs more work, or most for most part, we're really highly encouraging those to go ahead and do something. We're really supportive of that. It's only Jamie and Laker Tom that criticize each other, and then occasionally I will just say, "Laker Tom, you're crazy." But Everybody out there, before we head on out, Laker Tom has another great article on the books, and also Spencer Young has some great stuff as well. So before we head on out, because we're well over an hour already, Laker Tom, what you working on at Lakerholics.com? I just did an article on Anthony Davis and, and my feelings that it's time for the Lakers to demand that Anthony Davis play center. I think that it's the craziest thing in the world that you have a player whose best position is center, you have a lineup that is a killer lineup that won a championship last year when he played when when AD played center 60% of the time. And the Lakers are almost hell bent for fury to try to eliminate any AD at the five. That's the way I see it. Otherwise, why would you promise a starting position for Andre Drummond? It doesn't make sense at all. You know, if you're going to get a center, for God's sake, don't get a guy who can be played off of the court defensively, like JaVale McGee, like Dwight Howard, like Andre Drummond. Get somebody like Nolan's Norell, who basically can guard out at the perimeter, has the foot speed to make the to, to rotate and switch and, and do all of the things that, that Anthony Davis can do defensively at center. You don't you don't just commit to instead trying to find a pathway where Anthony Davis will never play center other than 10% of the time. That's just not a formula that I see working. Well, there you go, indeed. But check out what he's doing today at Lakerholics.com. But last, but not certainly least at all, is Spencer Young. He does a great job at medium.com slash basketball-university. What you working on there, my friend? Okay, so I actually also wrote my thoughts on Anthony Davis in a different fashion than what you're talking about. What are the odds of that happening? <laughs> Uh, so, yeah, I talked about, you know, like, did we see the peak of Anthony Davis in the 2020 playoffs? How I also talked about how the roster construction this past season was a bit of an overreaction to his shooting in the NBA bubble. And uh, I talked about, like, some of the next steps he needs to take as a leader and what he needs to do in, like, elimination games. Uh, we'll have some more articles about the Bucks and the Suns, I'm sure, as the NBA finals go on. And then after that, we'll be getting into free agents just like we did on podcast. Well, there you have it indeed. That is medium.com slash basketball-university. Please go ahead and check it out today, medium.com slash basketball-university indeed. It's a great place to go, in-depth articles, and really great read. Laker Tom does a sensational job as always and always likes to stir the pot there at lakerholics.com. So please go ahead it's always great reading one way or another. And he always loves your feedback and he's always very respectful. It's, it's well, except if your name is Jamie sweet, but you know, he's kind of used <laughs> to that. Please check out Jamie sweets, five things articles as well. And everything we do there at Lakers fast break. 
again, I'll be posting hopefully a lot of stuff that I've already got taped and in the book. So I'm going to be sharing it this week on Lakers Fast Break. Again, TJ Johnson on the ESPN saga. His thoughts on that. Lee Montville, award-winning author, also longtime reporter of the Boston Globe, longtime reporter for Sports Illustrated. He stopped by to talk about his novel that is actually debuting on Tuesday. So check it out, Amazon and Barnes & Noble. It's called Tall Men Short Shorts, about the 1969 NBA Finals and so much more that was going on during that time period. So check that out there. Plus, again, we've got some great stuff with Wednesday night. We're going to be dropping our thoughts on Game 4 of the NBA Finals. So definitely check that out as well. And then, of course, well, you know what, guys? Let's just go ahead and make our usual Friday show into a Thursday show with the thoughts of Game 4 from the NBA Finals. We'll just go ahead and pop that on a daily. And you never know. I might pop up on Friday's show. We'll just go. I might just go ahead and just drop the latest mock draft right there for you. So it's going to be a loaded week. Cannot wait for it. A lot of great stuff happening at Lakerholics.com and also the Lakers Fast Break. But check that out, medium.com slash basketball-university. Please check out our stuff that we do at Dash Radio and, of course, the Hoopheads Podcast Network. We'll be back, us three again, and hopefully Jamie Sweet as well. Maybe even Elrob. I know a lot of people asking for Elrob, chanting Elrob. Where's Elrob? Where's Elrob? Hopefully he'll be back on Wednesday night to tape this and that we can drop on Thursday. So hopefully all the guys will be here. That would be a lot of fun. But again, it's always a great time right here at the Lakers Fast Break Podcast.